Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, begins a new series on the heroes of faith found in Hebrews 11. If you want to watch the video of this message or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that and more on our app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. Today we begin our summer series of messages called Believing God. This series of messages will focus on Hebrews chapter 11. Now chapter 11 in Hebrews is often referred to as the faith chapter. It also goes by the title of the heroes of the faith or even God's hall of fame because it lists the exploits of Old Testament men and women who honored God by believing His promises and pursuing His calling. Now, I don't think these people were given merely for our admiration and certainly not to intimidate us, us believing that we are capable of so much less. Rather, I think this is a list of ordinary people who demonstrate what each one of us is capable of accomplishing by faith. Each of these people you see acted according to their faith. And we're capable of that as well. Today's message, which serves as an introduction to this chapter, is entitled, The Purpose of Faith. And I will explain some of the ways that faith functions in our lives. Our theme verse for this morning, you may have downloaded your resources already, is Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, just the first part. And it says this, it is impossible to please God without faith. I want you to understand that by the time of Christ, Judaism was no longer the supernatural system that God had originally given. It had been twisted into a system of works based on legalistic requirements. But God never redeemed people because of their works. Redemption has always been by faith. So both the Old Covenant and the New Covenant were fulfilled by faith. So as we begin, ask yourself, do I live by faith? And if yes, ask, how does it show And does anyone else see it? So we're going to look at several characteristics of faith from Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. But I want you to understand that this word faith comes from a Greek word, pistis. And it can be translated and is translated into many different English words. I've listed a number of them because it means belief, trust, persuasion, conviction, constancy, reliance, and assurance. Hebrews chapter 11 begins with this brief definition of faith. And the first quality for faith is that faith persuades of truth. 
Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. The author of Hebrews, whose name is not given, there's some debate, some suggest Paul, but most don't agree with that, and I don't agree with it either. Some others say maybe uh, Apollos wrote it, and we just don't know. It's all conjecture. So the author of Hebrews' name is not known to us. But he expressed this definition of faith in two parallel and almost identical phrases, which provided not a full theological definition, but just some basic characteristics to help us identify the practice of faith in people's lives. These Old Testament characters, but also in our own lives. So first, let me restate it. Verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. See, in Old Testament times, people trusted in the promises of God for a coming Messiah, for, for a deliverer who would take away their sin. Now, why did they believe this? How did they know it? Well, their belief was based on an experience with God. They actually encountered Him. Because see, most of the people listed in Hebrews chapter 11 had no Scripture at all. For many of them, it had, had not even been written yet. And so these people heard the promise of God from His voice. They experienced His presence in a way that was undeniable. And that experience changed them so that the reality of God became truth for them. As a result, they had confidence. In fact, they were certain that what they hoped for, what God had promised them, would actually happen. They were so sure of these promises that they based their lives on them. They made decisions with the understanding of these promises, though the consequences of their beliefs and the resulting decisions were often very difficult and included sacrifice, rejection, hardship, suffering, and for some, even death. Now, though the promises would be fulfilled in the future, and for some of them, it was the far distant future. In fact, it would be beyond their lifespan. Still, they acted and lived as though those promises were present. So here's my question for each of us. Do God's promises about the future, for example, the promise of heaven, control our lives in the present? True faith, also as this continues in the latter part of verse 1, gives us assurance about things we cannot see. You see, God's promises about the forgiveness of sins, about provision in our present lives, about eternity in His presence, they can't be seen. Yet we regard these promises 
as real, as true. But we do so by faith. Not mere faith, not faith that is wishful thinking or speculation, but faith that's fortified by an experience and an encounter with the Holy Spirit. We are absolutely certain of things that this world considers unreal and impossible. You see, unsaved people have no means of perceiving. They have no spiritual senses to detect and confirm spiritual realities. So it's not surprising that they do not believe in God and they regard us Christians as irrational, deluded, gullible, or at the very least, naive. For Christians, our faith is reality. So it provides us a foundation for living, an assurance of spiritual truth that is unshakable. This faith, the ability to believe, and those are synonymous phrases, is a gift from God. It's received through an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it occurs when we truly hear and understand the good news. And as a result, are born again by that same Spirit. Being born again, becoming believers, Christians, these are synonymous terms, children of God, when this happens to us, we're changed so that our faith becomes our identity. More than our race, our intelligence, our background, or our family of origin. By faith, the promises of God that are found in the Bible and that are sometimes communicated directly to us by His Spirit become true. They become truth that we live by. And that includes the fact that Jesus is God's Son and our Savior. You see, it's by faith that we know that the Bible is, God's, is God breathed. And it's therefore undeniably true. And because it's God breathed, inspired by Him, it becomes my guide, my direction for every area of my life and in every possible situation. So here's a question. Does your faith, your belief in the promises of God define your life? Is it the controlling part of who you are? Faith also pleases God. We look to verse 2 in Hebrews chapter 11. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. This good reputation may refer incidentally to what other people 
thought of these people of old. But the focus here, the true intent of it, is of God's opinion about these people who live by faith. You see, we earn a good reputation with God through our belief, through our trust, and our obedience to His Word. You see, we are not free to do whatever it is we want to do. We're not free to do what we think best or to follow our hearts. As believers, we are followers of Christ. And we must always act according to our faith. That means we do what God wants us to do. God makes His approval known to those who trust Him. So this is an experiential question. Have, has God made known to you His approval? Have you experienced the love and the acceptance of God? Hebrews 11 we skip down to verse 6, and it says this, And it is impossible to please God without faith. For anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. You see, even our obedient actions, our, our greatest, our most sacrificial works are only acceptable to God by faith. By people who have been forgiven of their sins and who have determined as a result of that forgiveness to sincerely seek God and to please Him with their lives. It's our faith which makes our works acceptable, worthy of praise and reward. Because you see, by themselves, even our best efforts are insufficient to merit the approval of God. So here's the question. How does God view? In other words, what is your reputation with Him? And what rewards, if any, will await you in heaven? Faith also perceives of creation. Verse 3. By faith we understand, and it's interesting, he says we... The author includes himself as well as his readers. We understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. The scripture tells us that God is the creator. 
And there are many other verses in both the Old and the New Testaments that assert the same thing. But do you believe that? Since there were no witnesses to the creation of the universe, we either must accept or reject God's claims as creator by faith. But if we reject God's claims regarding creation, then it also casts doubt. It raises questions about the truth, the inspiration, and the source of the entire Bible. And therefore, the gospel itself. For these statements about God as creator are sprinkled throughout the Old and the New Testament. If we disbelieve in God and we doubt His inspiration of the Bible, then we must find another explanation for our existence. The scientific method is not particularly helpful in this matter because it requires developing a hypothesis which can be tested through experimentation to observe whether the theory is true. For all you kids who have been out of science class, I thought I'd give you that to, you know, brush you up a little bit on what you missed in the class. Since the creation was not observed and cannot be reproduced or repeated, we're left with speculation, theory, and untested hypothesis to solve the question of our existence unless we believe God's Word. Now, if you approach this issue with a bias of disbelief, then for you, unproven and unprovable ideas, whether it be the Big Bang or evolution, allows you to reject the Bible and God with it. But if God is the creator of the universe, but more specifically, the personal creator, former fashioner of each one of us individually, the one who placed his image, a reflection of his nature, and the ability to reconnect with him, if He placed this image within each and every one of us at conception, then we have dignity, value, and purpose for our lives. You see, because God is our personal individual creator and we possess His image within, that's why racism is such an awful sin that springs from a lack of faith, a lack of believing God's creation of each person. If, on the other hand, we are merely the product of a chance collection of amino acids, a random combination of cells, of which, by the way, there are about 
30 trillion cells of 200 different specific types in each human body. But if we happen just by chance, then it, it makes no sense to say that we have any purpose other than the, the desire to survive. So it makes no sense to say there are any moral standards or any truth or any right or wrong and certainly no spiritual expectations for our lives. But if indeed God is our creator, then we are responsible to Him for how we use these precious lives we've been given. Verse 3 says this, that God created from nothing. Now the Latin word is ex nihilo. And what this means is that God came first. That He formed the entire universe, but also every speck of matter, as well as each of us. If God is not Creator, you see, if God appeared at some later time, if He Himself was created from pre-existing matter by some impersonal force, why would we be responsible to Him for our lives? And how could He control eternity if He did not devise it? I think that people know innately that God is the Creator. There's a fascinating verse in Romans chapter 1, at verse 19. And it says this, They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. I found a Gallup poll that was about one year old. It was actually taken June 3rd through 16th of last summer, 2019. And this poll found that 40% of adults in the United States ascribe to a creationist view of human origins. Believing that God created people in their present form within the past 10,000 years. The poll also found that 33% of adults believe that humans evolved over millions of years, but with God's guidance. And 22% think that evolution occurred and was responsible for 
humanity without God's involvement, which does coincide with the increasing number of Americans with no religious identification. The article focused on the fact that that the majority of people who took the poll embraced evolution. But I think the far more striking part of it was that 73% of American adults believe that God was involved in the creation of humans. It's in us. It's evident throughout creation. Eternity is in the heart of man, is what Ecclesiastes tells us. And try it as though many might. They can't silence it. So they will grasp at virtually anything to discount, to reject the notion that God pre-existed this world, created everything in it, and every person within it. And so we are responsible to Him. Do you know that God is your Creator? Do you understand that because of that, you are responsible to Him for how you live your life? You know, as we've opened this issue of faith, Do you believe the promises of God? And do you live according to those promises by faith following His Word? Let's pray. Father, I pray that You would confirm in each of us the presence or the absence of faith. And I pray, Lord, for those of us that know you, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would deepen our conviction, that you would call us to a a greater obedience to your word. And Lord, for those who don't know you, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that you would call them to yourself, that by your spirit you would Give them new birth and grant them the gift of faith and life eternal. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for watching. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 so that you can get in contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. We are so thankful that you listened today. We pray you have a great week.